Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Another episode of Full Court Press brought to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me tonight is Jawan Carter. What's up, Jawan? What's going on? Nah, nothing much, man. Just excited to talk some NBA news. We didn't have any really big topics this week, um, so I just kind of delved into the, uh, I guess, Twitter sphere, if you will, um, of like all these kind of, uh, I guess more like reality TV type topics. Um, but I'm still really excited to talk about them. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and the guy who is front and center of them all, and it was a story that we just didn't quite get time to talk about last week, coupled with a more recent story. And I just I had to give give the show title up to the man. It has been dissing everybody left and right. He recently said that Cleveland is a shithole on on an Instagram video. Um, he also said about a week ago that he doesn't think Lonzo's shot can be fixed. Um, and he elaborated more on that, but that was pretty much the gist of of what he was saying. Uh, he later apologized, um, very recently apologized for calling Cleveland a shithole. Um, he, he he basically not like verbatim, but he basically retracted it by saying the town, like the, the city in itself, isn't a shithole. It's just like the organization and all of their players are shitholes. <laughs> um, is, is is basically what he said. Um, anyway, uh, Juwan, uh, what do you think about it's? Um, continuation of of just being this kind of outspoken very candid gonna tell you what he thinks um might you know issue a, an apology later because you know it's i guess the right thing to do but nevertheless i mean he's just letting it fly um and he's been doing that you know for about two years now um but it's really been of focus over the past year since he got traded um, because of, you know, the the perception of his value and does does his outspoken nature hurt his value, um, hurt his stock, if you will, um, as a player. Um, and now you, you could say, sure, it does as evidenced by, you know, him only getting a vet men contract, but I think a lot more of that has to do with his injuries. But nevertheless, like, let's say he balls out this year. Does does any of these continued outbursts 
like hurt his value going forward. Um, anyway, just your your thoughts on all of IT and his his brass. Uh, I don't think it affects his NBA future uh, because we said before, like, if he doesn't ball out in Denver, then he can just get used to being paid maybe definitely a little bit more than what he's being paid now. Um, But I don't see a a starting role out there um, prominent for him going forward. A lot of these teams are drafting these young guys as their guards. I mean, there's not that much of a future for IT. Uh, Boston really completely robbed him of that. Uh, and Cleveland just didn't make it any better for him, uh, especially with the stigma of he was the issue. Uh, that definitely right. didn't help him. Um, he kind of mended the defense of his, his ego and stuff when he went to L.A., um, excuse me, which was a great spot for him because Lonzo was hurt, like, in and out. So, you know, IT got to, you know, come off the bench, play a little starter sometimes. Um, so it showed a team like Denver, like, if we ever needed you to be off the bench, like, we know we won't have to worry about you giving us attitude. Um, so, I mean, his, his comments, I mean, it, is it false? I mean, Cleveland, <laughs> as, as far as sports, I won't say the actual city because I've never been there, so I won't be that kind of guy. Um, but as far as sports, yeah, it's a shit town. Like, <laughs> as far as their sports, they suck over there. Um, I believe the Cleveland Indians, like, are, are uh, something to, you know, be excited for. And I guess the new look Browns are something to now be excited for. But outside of that – Apparently the they left, have a no – one... they, they have a very, uh, very um, awesome food scene uh, in Cleveland, something I was not aware of until very recently. Um, but uh, But they're, like, up there – in the in the cities as it as it pertains to food, um, like especially considering like it's not a city you would think of, um, like because you, you like there are, are cities that you immediately associate with food like Philadelphia you think Philly cheesesteak you know, um, but apparently like there's there's nothing like that that sticks out for Cleveland but apparently they have a awesome food scene so shout out to their food scene. Uh, you know, we're we're in recognition of that over here at Geek Vibes. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> you were saying like their their baseball team's really good, but you know, LeBron left and and what have you. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, Le- LeBron really truly put that city on the map. Like, if LeBron yeah, got drafted absolutely. to the Pistons, no one. I mean, unless you're telling me like. Dwayne Wade ended up going to Cleveland. I don't even think Dwayne Wade, even even though I'm right nope. with you, Nick, Hall of Famer, top five yep. uh, shooting guard of all time, he top does three. not yep. bring what LeBron brings. Like, he couldn't have brought Cleveland to relevancy the way LeBron did. Like, I mean, yep. LeBron just was – he had this whole stigma as the chosen one coming out of high school. And I think – what was it, Nick? Two – three or four years into his young NBA career, he took a bunch of trash bags to the finals. Like, just yeah. everything this man has done is just like, I don't see anyone else being able to do that for that city the way that he could. Um, so, yeah. I mean, just as far as, as, as maybe sports, yeah, Cleveland's always been a dumpster fire town as far as their sports goes. But as far as yeah. 
the scenery, living out there, I can't speak on that. IT would be able to because he was there, um, but I won't speak hmm. on that. I'll speak more so on the sports aspect. And as far as the sports, yeah, I could get someone saying that it's it's a shit town, especially in, <laughs> in, in regards to sports. Uh, yeah. Um, granted, you know, I'm I'm from Atlanta, so I I don't have any room to talk. Um, unfortunately. Um, but I, I will say this, you know, Atlanta is, you know, right there in the running for, for kind of most disappointing sports cities, uh, right up there with Cleveland. And in 1995, uh, the Atlanta Braves won their only world series in Atlanta against the Cleveland Indians. So (laughs) if that's, if that's any (laughs) measurement, like, you know, just saying. Um, well, I'll, I'll at least say this. At least people want to live in Atlanta. I have personally never met someone who's like, yeah, man, you know, I'm going to take the wife and kids, move up to Cleveland. And it's just like I've <laughs> never heard someone desi- and I have a desire to do that. Like, I mean, so there could be some truth to what IT was saying. Who knows? Yeah, I I would give you that. I, I know one person who speaks fondly of Cleveland. Um, good friend of mine, Rachel, and uh, she she likes she likes the city a lot. Um, but it like is the only one person I know who speaks fondly of Cleveland. Um, it, anybody else I know who has ever visited or or lived in the city is is not you know super fond of it. So hey, um, no knock on you, uh, Clevelanders, um, but yeah, um, like Juan said, maybe there's just a monicum of truth uh, to what uh, what IT was saying there. Um, by the way, um, just you know, before we move on, as I stated before, he also said that he doesn't think Lonzo's shot can be fixed. And and this was a, 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 a longer conversation of of things that I I don't have in front of me. It is my fault. My apologies. Um, but essentially, what he he was asked about it and, you know, he just kind of answered and was like, you know, I don't, his shot is his shot. Like you're not going to fix that shot. Like maybe he'll get a little bit better. He'll get a little more efficient with that shot, but you're not going to essentially take his shot and fix it and make it um, like a a more consistent um, shot as far as his mechanics. Um, to, to me, like, though this seems like shade, in a way, if you, if you want to turn it into that, I think we all kind of assume that Lonzo's shot was Lonzo's shot. Like, he, he ha- has always had a weird shot. We knew he was going to have a weird shot. There are plenty of players that made a living off of weird shots. Um, the one who comes to mind the most is Sean Marion, and that dude was like a, a clutch three-point shooter um, and had one of the weirdest shots in the NBA. So I, the, the fact that Lonzo's not going to change his mechanics doesn't really worry me that much. I think um, obviously you want him to get better you want him to shoot a better percentage. I think he will. I think just essentially just reps and, you know, getting into a groove, 
um, figuring out um, having having the the Lakers scouts kind of figure out um, when and where he shoots best from the three point line will be huge for him. Uh, you know those kind of advanced analytic stats like implementing those in, into his game and making sure that he kind of follows through with those. Um, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm not concerned about his shot. I know a lot of people are, but I'm not. I, I think he'll figure it out. I think the biggest, like I said, the biggest thing is just figuring out when and where to shoot. And once he figures that out, I think he'll be good to go. And, you know, a lot of people rightfully so, have compared him to Jason Kidd over over the last couple seasons. I think that is the perfect comparison. And Jason Kidd was a terrible three-point shooter. Granted, Jason Kidd played in a different era. Like, you you didn't have to be a good three-point shooter as a point guard in the era he played in. Now it's more important. Um, But my point being is that, you know, Jason Kidd developed into a really solid reliable three-point shooter later in his career when he had to. Like, Lonzo has to sooner. I think he will. I think he will be able to pull it off. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I wish Jason Kidd had that reliable shot in the playoffs against the Pacers that year. But anyway. um, (laughs) No, he didn't get it until Dallas, man. Didn't he get – didn't he watch? (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, if I'm the Lakers, the last thing I'm concerned about is Lonzo being able to shoot the ball. Uh, when when they brought him in, the biggest thing Magic kept talking about was his ability to play defense and the fact that he's a gifted passer. If and I'm he's been great Coach at Walton, right? If I'm Coach Walton, if anything, I'm telling him attack the basket more, get draw yes. double teams if you can, get guys open. I don't care about you shooting threes and. The only the only reason now people might ho- uh, focus in on him being able to be a reliable shooter is because he now has another gifted passer. So if him and LeBron are on the floor at the same time and LeBron kicks it to him, LeBron's looking for him to knock down that shot. So I get it in that respect. That's why I said the biggest issue with him, for me, with him going to L.A. or uh, the Sixers is Ben is a gifted passer but can't really shoot. Lonzo is a gifted passer but can't really shoot. You're giving both of those guys a gifted passer. So it's like I, where are you going to kind of find your, your medium there? Yeah. But as, as far as that, if I'm Walton, I'm telling, I'm telling Lonzo, you know, I don't take what IT said is, is shade at all. I mean, we all know that. He was just stating the obvious. Lonzo's shot is weird. Um, but I'm telling him, listen, what I want you to focus on is attacking the basket, um, drawing that double team, kicking it out, playing defense like you were last year. He was great on ball defense and with his steals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And continue to be a gifted passer. Because when LeBron retires, and if they're able to keep Kuzma, Ingram, and Lonzo through this LeBron tenure, um, you want Lonzo to be able to become this complete player to where he's a gifted passer plays really good defense, and he can, through, you know, through growth and development, develop a consistent – I tell you this, I'm less concerned with his jumper, and I'm more concerned with Simmons' jumper. So if I'm the Lakers, I'm like, I think I got yeah. the better of the, of the two when it comes to having that issue. 
So to me, if I'm the Lakers, I'm I'm not concerned about that. Yeah, I'll I'll take Simmons over Lonzo any day, but I do oh, agree yeah. with no, you. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not projecting on you here. Yeah, no, no. I'm not projecting on you. Um, but I'm I'm just saying like, yeah. If you need, if you like, here's the thing. Like Lonzo, Lonzo's not a great three point shooter yet. Um, I don't think Ben Simmons will ever be a great three point shooter. Um, and Lonzo's not afraid to take that shot. Like he'll miss six three-pointers in a row and still take another one. Like, I don't think Ben Simmons took six three-pointers all of last season. I don't I don't think he took three. Um, I, I I think he, he hurled up a couple half-court shots at the buzzer and that, you know, but, like, I don't think he ever took a legitimate three-point shot um, last season. I could be wrong, but, I mean, <clears throat> I don't I don't think so. So, like, the fact that, like, Lonzo's not scared of taking those shots, too, I think really kind of bodes well for him. But I agree with you. I think, I think if, I, if I'm Luke uh, Walton again, I, I think yes. Like, work on, you know, driving to the lane and being more confident and finishing. Um, that is w- what I would rather see out of Lonzo than, you know, an improved three-point shot. Not – not to say, like, the the three-pointer, yeah, it fits better with LeBron. It fits better with what we've seen work with LeBron James. Um, but, like, <clears throat> as far as just a point guard's game, you want your point guard to be able to drive and finish at the at the rim um, if he needs to, you know. Like, if, if they're going to give you, um, a, a, you know, a somewhat of an open look, even if it's slightly contested, like – you need to be able to to finish there, um, and then if you are able to do that, then you're able to open up so many other avenues as far as your passing ability. So, um, whereas the three pointer is like it, it doesn't open open up as much as far as you know him being able to facilitate. Um, if he can hit a three, he can hit a three. It just means people have to defend him uh, on the perimeter a little more, which could open a few lanes, but, like, not the kind of lanes that we're talking about with being able to finish at the basket and, you know, drawing um, bigs on you and leaving, you know, the person that they're supposed to be defending wide open right underneath the basket, like Lob City. So, yeah. Ultimately, I agree with you there. I think that is uh, certainly the bigger thing that um, he probably should and probably has worked on this offseason. But it'll be really exciting. I'm really excited to see this young Lakers team with LeBron. I just wish they had a a good center. I really, really want them to trade for – somebody who's like a decent starting center. Um, Robin Lopez, Dwayne Dedman, like there's there's plenty of people out there, like centers out there that are on expiring contracts that the Lakers could trade for and I they definitely, definitely should do it. Um and give give up a first rounder. Like at this point you, you got LeBron James, like whoever you draft in, in the first round next year is not going to help you in the lifespan uh, of LeBron James's prime. So um, just, you know, figure it out. And to but, me, the, to me yeah. the, the pick isn't that important, especially 
Like, if you're the Lakers, you're putting yourself in. Juwan? Juwan? Um, I think we might have lost Juwan there. Um, try this. Juwan, are you there? No, he's not. Um, well, anyway, in the meantime, I am going to um, move on to the next topic. And wait. Hey, are you there, man? Yeah, I, my call dropped. I have no idea why. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I got you. No worries. Um, but you were saying um, as it pertained to uh, LeBron and the Lakers and the pick. Yeah, like, I mean, if you can get Kawhi, um, like, let's say LeBron in four years either retires or, you know, leaves again, whatever. Uh, Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, and Kawhi, you can still make – something really great with that. So I don't think you're desperate to hold on to your, your draft picks. I'm not saying just throw them out, but like you said, if you can <laughs> give up a draft pick to get uh, a Robin Lopez or somebody like that, that could really help that team. I, I say, I mean, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, I still really like my um, trade proposal of, and this this is one of the traits that I'm going to showcase in um, my uh, – five traits that need to happen before the start of the season uh, article that I'm writing for uh, Geek Vibes Nation. By the way, be sure to check out our website, geekgvnation.com. It is up and rolling, and we will have plenty of full-court press articles coming out very soon uh, on that very website. Um, But one of the the traits that I'm I'm certainly angling for is – the Lakers trading uh, Luol Deng and Avicii Zubak, um, plus their 2019 first-round pick, uh, unprotected. I think it like it would have to be unprotected for Chicago to, to go through with the trade. But I think if you're LA again, like it should be worth it. Like you should be a playoff team at the very least. Um, but um, those. Uh, two players in, in, in draft pick for uh, Robin Lopez and Cristiano, Cristiano Felicio. Um, and the reason being uh, Felicio is like eight to seven and a half million dollars next season. He signed on for three more years. Terrible fucking contract. Absolutely deplorable contract. Um, but um, if you're the Lakers, you're you're decreasing your salary next year by about ten million dollars. So the fact that you have to pay him the extra year thereafter isn't that big of a deal. Um, you get Robin Lopez, who can come in and be a very good defensive-minded player um, this season for you. If you're the Bulls, you get the added draft pick. Luol Deng's contract is an expiring next year, whereas you have with Felicio, you have two more years of, of his contract instead of only one more year of things. And, uh, you, you know, do you get Avicii Zubat, who is a young, promising center, um, and you essentially free up minutes for your your young core, um, which, which is 
are the guys that you should be wanting to give minutes to. Wendell Carter, um, Lowry Markinen, uh Bobby Portis, all of those guys need those minutes. Robin Lopez is going to eat those minutes alive, you know, from those guys. So to me, that trade makes a lot of sense. Um, but uh, anyway, um, we do need to move on to the next topic, but um, it, Juwan, if you have any thoughts on that, that trade, feel free to offer them up before we move on. Yeah, I like it a lot. <clears throat> it works for both sides. And I'm a huge Robin Lopez fan from his time in New York. So I definitely think he could do a lot of uh, a lot of good for that Lakers team. And listen, if you can get out of Lou all dang, you you do whatever you need to do to find ways right. to get out of Lou all dang. Uh, just to get that in, in the rear view mirror. But, uh, yeah, as far as, like, productivity for the Lakers, uh, getting a guy like Robin Lopez, I'm definitely with you on that. Yeah, and, and the thing is, again, it, it all boils down to if you're if you're going to get out of Lua Deng's contract and only give up a first-round pick, you have to take back another bad contract. And Felicio is certainly that – it's a year longer than Dang's contract, which again is why I think that it's it's a it's a possibility. Um, and um, if they were to stretch Felicio um, versus if they were to stretch Dang, uh, it would save them about three million dollars um, next season. That's three million dollars they could offer up to somebody else. And it just cuts, like right at the start, it cuts about $10 million off their payroll next season, um, which would be enough for them to sign a max player without having to cut him. So, you know, that's also a possibility. So it just frees up a lot of um, various possibilities for the Lakers, very much, you know, worth giving up a first-rounder for. In fact, I would probably give up a first, first and a second, like, I don't know. I don't think the Lakers own any other second rounders other than their own, and I'm not sure which of their own they own. Um, but uh, I would be willing to give up, you know, more than just first, not two firsts, but first and, you know, a second um, at some point, you know, in the future, or at the very least swap rights um, for, for Chicago somewhere down the line. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. Um, as we had just kind of talked about uh, the Cavaliers and you know their their shithole city of Cleveland, as reported by Isaiah Thomas, um, they're reportedly interested in trading for Hassan Whiteside. This is a story that I just heard about today, and it's not getting a lot of press, at least as far as I saw. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, no, Dwan. Uh Perhaps I just didn't see it. Um, but the reported deal would include Tristan Thompson and Kyle Korver for Whiteside. I think this is a no-brainer for both sides. I mean, Whiteside is just not happy in Miami. It hasn't worked out. He's not. He's just not playing well there. Um, he's better than Tristan Thompson. Kyle Korver is just old um, and, you know, an asset, but, like, not a great asset. Obviously, if he was a great asset, 
then Cleveland would have already traded him to Philadelphia. Um, but whatever Cleveland wanted from Philadelphia in exchange for Kyle Korver and them taking on Jared Bayless, which were, you know, was reported, you know, two or three weeks ago um, as a, as a, you know, pending trade possibility. Um, It didn't go through because whatever Philly was offering, Cleveland was like, no, that's not enough. And Philly was just like, well, dude, fucking, you got a 38 year old shooting guard who like shoot, like is really good at shooting threes, but doesn't do much else. Like we're not going to give you like anything great for him. So like, if you can, if you can trade in Tristan Thompson and Corver, um, for Whiteside, who's just, to me, I know he played really bad last season, but I think I think a lot of that has to do with, like, mentally he was just out of it. He was done, um, you know, playing for the Heat, which I, I, I'm not saying that in the sense of, like, he, like, actively checked out. I think it's just, you know, it, the game is... is you know, mental like anything else in life. Um, like, if you're upset, you know, you're not going to necessarily play as well as you could. Um, so I, I I definitely think that both teams would benefit from this. And I'm going to go back to, I think that if Cleveland did that trade and they did uh, my, my New York Knicks trade that I've, I've talked to you about, Jawan, um, as far as swapping uh, Hill and um, J.R. Smith, for um, uh, Hardaway and um, uh, uh, Courtney Lee. Um, like, Courtney Lee would be, like, the kind of perfect player to replace Borver. Um And then if you got THJ, uh, you know, to kind of fill out your, your wing depth, um, and then you just you promote Sexton and just give him the minutes and, like, Clarkson back him up, like, that. that's – you're definitely bolstering your, your shot at being a playoff team. Um, I, I plug that like particular trade, uh, both of those trades together in, in the uh, uh, NBA trade machine uh, in the, um, I think, Hollinger analysis gave them plus eight wins. Um, now, granted, that's just, it's, it's PER. It's, 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 take it with a grain of salt. But still, like plus eight wins um, with those with those deals, like they they probably would make the playoffs with those with you know those kind of um, moves. But anyway, what are your thoughts on them? You know, wanting to make it potentially wanting to make a deal for Hassan Whiteside, and do you think um, Tristan Thompson and Kyle Porter um, make sense? Uh, to give those up to get Hassan Whiteside, and does that make sense to you for the Heat to take on those contracts for Hassan Whiteside? Uh, yeah. Um, if you're Cleveland, Hassan Whiteside, if his mind's right, uh, you were saying you think he mentally checked out. I personally think uh, Pat Riley had a conversation with him, uh, didn't like his drive, didn't like uh, his attitude. Um, and it immediately reminded me of Bynum, just a guy who has raw natural talent, who then just wasted based off of a bad attitude. Uh, and I, I would rather side with you and just say he checked out, wasn't getting along with, um, you know, press management, just kind of just mentally checked out. I'd rather say that than to put him in the category as just being overall lazy like Bynum, 
Like buying them with someone who was just a monster and then just got super lazy. Injuries, you can say, yeah. had had an effect, but he just got lazy. He just got Fair super enough. lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we actually, uh, my cousin played basketball with him, so we knew him before he got drafted, and he was, he was lazy then. He just always just a lazy guy. Um, so it, it wasn't a shock to see him just ultimately become lazy in his professional career. But Hassan Whiteside, <laughs> if, if he's putting his 100% uh, effort into it, him and Kevin Love would be a rebounding nightmare in a good way yeah. for Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. those are just two guys you can't keep off of off of the boards. Like they're getting boards. Kevin might get you ten offensive rebounds. Hassan might get you ten uh, defensive rebounds. So those guys can just dominate on on both ends as far as that. Um, and the trade you were saying before is perfect. My only issue is as a Knicks fan, that works perfectly for us swapping to get, like, a guy like Jr. or whatever, giving Hardaway and, and lead-up. That only works, Nick, if we can get one of the four superstars that we are – that everyone's coming out of the woodwork saying that they're, they're hearing the Knicks are definitely going to get. If we end oh, up with more than none four. of them uh, – th- There's a lot. But if we end up with none of them and we, we lost Hardaway, I, I would be a little bothered by that. I would be a little bothered by that. I'm fine with sure. the idea of, of it's a risk. moving him. It, it's a huge risk, but to me, that that always scares me as New York because I can't remember the last time we cashed in on on a free agency period like that. I mean, I guess you could yeah. say Stoudemire, but Stoudemire wasn't Kyrie, wasn't Durant, wasn't Jimmy Butler. Like he wasn't right. any of those guys. So it's he like was, he was in the B the B list. It, 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 yeah, it would essentially absolutely. be like you. It would essentially be like you getting Kimball Walker, um, right? You know, right? Like, it, which, yeah, which would be great, me, I, or it'd be good. <laughs> I don't know about great. <laughs> it'd be. I tell you what, I'm personally against us getting any more point cards. Through that, we have a lot. I've been watching uh, the the work they're putting in on the off season. Trey Burke is looking like a monster. Moutier is working out like a monster. Um, what's his name? Uh, Frank is looking beastly. I love our point guard. The only then time again, I would be if a, you can get Kyrie, I was just about yeah, to say that. The only time yeah. I'd be fine getting another point guard would yeah, be as if Kyrie. that were Kyrie Irving. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say no to Kimba Walker, but I just kind of feel like you got to give Frank a chance. Trey Burke showed a lot last year. Moutier was just kind of shifted in an offense that looked like it just didn't fit him. Um, so I'd want to give a full year. I don't think the offense fit anybody. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But I don't want to hold that against Moody yet. So just a, one full year of under Fizdale, seeing what those three guards look like together would be ideal. But back to the original uh, trade that, that, that you asked, that is amazing if you're Cleveland. If you're Miami, it's a whatever trade. You're getting, you're adding Corver, who can play the three, but you're adding technically another guard to your already loaded amount of guards that you have. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I think it would be – if I'm Miami, I'm trying to work in another team um, to, right. to take – like, I would be I would be on the phone with Philly. Like, they obviously have interest in Corver. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if I'm Miami, I would totally be willing to take Bayless um, 
you know, his expiring contract um, in order to get, you know, some draft consideration um, and some I mean, Corbett to Philly because you don't need Corbett. I mean, you have, like you said, I mean, you have what you have Dion Waiters, you, you maybe Dwayne Wade. We don't know if he's going to come back yet, but you, I mean, at the very least you have Waiters. You just re-signed, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Wayne Ellington who is a, a very, very, very good three-point shooter, like every bit uh, statistically as good as Kyle Korver um, uh, as far as, like, catch-and-shoot threes. And um, I, I, you have Josh Richardson. Um, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of guys. Rodney Magruder, though he's kind of a, a lower totem pole than the other guys. Um, but, like, yeah, like I, I, Tyler Johnson. So – you definitely don't need Kyle Corver, but if you can work in a deal, especially if you can get like a reliable backup point guard like Jared Bayless, like they don't have a lot of point guard depth. That they have a lot of guard depth. They don't have a lot of point guard depth. And Tyler Johnson, he can handle the ball and he plays point guard for him. But like, if you don't get Dwayne Wade back, like Dwayne Wade is is your your go to backup point guard right now because that's his, his most suited role. Um, at this stage in his career. Um, but if you don't get him back, like you could definitely use a guy like Jared Bayless more than you could use a guy like Kyle Corver. And if you can get a draft pick, uh, you know, a second rounder or two um, in that deal, like why not, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you're, I think the biggest reason Dwayne Wade hasn't been signed yet because Miami has more guards than they can deal with. And I think right. it's this thing of you have to make sure Wade's comfortable doing a full season of being a backup point guard. Like, you can't just sign them and then be like, hey, by the way, you're going to be our backup point guard the whole year. Like, that's something that he has to be comfortable with. And you were saying it last year, it was a position he transitioned into that fit. But that was in the later half of the year going into the playoffs. So, yeah, of course that's going to seem like it fits, but you're telling him he has to do, and obviously he's not playing 82 games, but a season's worth of playing that position, is it something that he can do at, at this point in time? So I think there's a reason why, because he said numerous times, if I play again, it's only in Miami. So the yeah. only people we haven't heard from is Miami. <laughs> so we keep hearing him say, like, yeah, I, of course I come back and play with Miami. And then Miami's like, yeah, we'll see. So, I mean, it's just a matter of will they do it or not. But, I mean, Tristan Thompson to me is a guy I think is serviceable. So, I mean, at best, he's going to help you out uh, with rebounds. That's pretty much yeah. all I've ever seen Tristan Thompson do is rebound. Doesn't really play that 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 well of defense. Like, I don't see him I come up and then someone – shots, but – Yeah, he, he, yeah I'm he's not, not saying he's, he's trash at all, but I'm saying I've never no. seen someone go for a dunk, look at Tristan and go, nah, I should pass this. Like, yeah, see, he ain't no Rudy. People, like, like, no. Exactly. I see people like, nah, I could probably bang it down on this guy. Um, yeah. so, I mean, if, if you're Miami, it, it doesn't hurt you, and you're getting rid of a guy that you feel as though you're probably overpaying that's giving you no production in Hassan. So get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, allow him to go somewhere else for him to um, kind of revive himself. And like I said, that's a nightmare for defenses, man. You got to go up against um, – and offenses. You got to go up against Love and Hassan on the board. That's a nightmare, man. And you get Hassan Whiteside, that Cleveland roster that I told you I kind of felt confident in if Tyron Lue can actually prove to be, like, a legit head coach. I think that team could make the playoffs. 
you get a, a 100% motivated Hassan Whiteside, that team looks like a strong eighth seed. And, I mean, I don't think that that's that far-fetched. Yeah, no, I feel you there. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if this trade pans out and, and what that can mean for Cleveland um, and what it can mean for Bam Adebayo. Like, get, get Bam more minutes. Like, I think we all want to see one of the guys who was um, second-team All-NBA, like, get more minutes because that dude is – really, really good. Actually, I don't think he was second-team All-NBA, come to think of it, but I think he was on my second-team All-NBA. I don't think he was actually second-team All-NBA, but he should have been because he was really good last year. He just didn't get enough minutes. Um, But anyway, let's move on. Luka Doncic and Michael Porter have been having a little Twitter war. Um, So essentially, this this kind of all broke down like this. Uh, Somebody posted up a thing on Twitter, um, a tweet basically saying that um, Luka Doncic is the most overrated player uh, ever or, like, of all time or some shit like that. And Michael Porter Jr. liked it. And thus it began. Uh, And so anyway, like, neither one of these guys have have actually tweeted anything, but... um, some um, uh, EuroLeague players responded to the tweet and, you know, basically said, you know, essentially you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, the, like if anybody's ever rated, the guy who played, like, five, three, three, four, five, whatever it was, games in college, um, and, uh, you know, essentially uh, it's just, you know, banking off of his his high school accolades, uh, you know, and Luca went and like that comment. Um, so anyway, we got we got almost like a little rivalry going on already with with uh, MPJ and and Luka Doncic. Um, I like this. I, I, I granted it is it is it, it's kind of like the perfect amount of like. Um, young basketball generation passive aggressive shade. Um, like it's they're not actually talking to one another. They're just liking things that other people say. So uh, on on some level, I'm like, all right. But I think it does set the stage for when these two finally face off against one another. Like it, it's 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 something to add fuel to the fire. And I'm hoping that. You know, obviously Denver is a young and up-and-coming team. Um, they're way further along than Dallas, but, you know, Dallas is also a young and up-and-coming up team. So these could be, you know, two teams that square off against each other, um, you know, for the next several years, um, All you know, whether it's in the playoffs or in the regular season or what have you. Like, But I think this could make um, make make an interesting rivalry um Especially considering that I don't I don't see Denver ever like with the way they're currently constructed, kind of reaching, um, say the potential of you know a championship caliber team. Maybe Dallas can. It all depends on how good Luca is. 
Um, but the fact that they gave up so much to get Luca, it's going to be kind of hard pressed for them to be able to put the pieces around him to um, do that. So, you know, to me, you're, you're kind of looking at two um, really, really good Western Conference teams that aren't going to be um, championship contenders, but at least we got like an extra little narrative, um, you know, between these two really uh, promising teams um, that we wouldn't have otherwise. So I love it. I, I hope we get more shit talking directly from them on the court, and then it'll be really great. What are your thoughts? I would like it because uh, I personally don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I'd love it if it came down, if the AC came down to uh, the final game of the season and it was these two teams. Like, that would just, that would be so much fun to see them go head to head. I think you're, I think you're, 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 uh, you're putting Dallas way too high, but just my opinion. Listen, I, I don't think you sold me. You sold me on Luca, and I, love I Luka. think Rick Carlisle is a hell of a coach. And oh, that yeah, roster, great. Look, I I love Luca. I don't better than last year. I love Luca. I don't love Luca playing next to Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> Like, I want to argue I, that. I swear, if, if, if I was the GM of, and and I'm sure so many people are going to say, think like anybody who's a Mavericks fan is going to think, say, thank God you're not the GM. But like, if I was the GM of the Mavericks, I seriously, and I've told you this before, I would call up the Knicks and be like, you know, you you guys obviously made a mistake not taking a true point guard. Um, like I'll give you Dennis Smith Jr. for Frank Nilakina, like, because I really, really, really would love the the like the dynamic of Luca playing with a guy like Frank. Like Luca is a creator, passer, can shoot, can go off the dribble. Um, he he needs to work on finishing around the rim a little bit, but like. Um, he's got all of those kind of skills, and Nilakina is like the athletic, very defensive-minded, could play on and off the ball. Like that's that's the biggest thing to me is like I want to give Luca plenty of opportunity to work both on and off the ball, probably more on the wall than off the ball. And you know him and Dennis Smith Jr. I just I think it's going to be a headache, man. I really do. I think you're going to have um, a lot of problems with them trying to figure out who is the alpha on that team. Um, whereas if you had a guy like Nilakina, I just even though I think Dennis Smith Jr. is is you know a better scorer, a better offensive player, all of that, um, I think Nilakina's defense and the fact that he's not going to present the problem of being um, like uh, he's not going to care about being not being the alpha. Um, I think I just think that's going to present a problem for Dallas. I really do, and I I think we'll, we'll catch a whiff of that this season, and I think it'll be um, kind of strung out and, and even more so down the line. Well, I want to start off by saying you're not getting Frank. Um, hey, that, what's, this, not what's this? Your shit. I'm. I'm not. 
I don't fucking like Dallas. I hate Dallas. No, especially you don't after like Dallas. Their you shit. Don't like, but you would love to pair Frank up with with uh, Luca. So in oh that, God, in yeah. That, in that dream, you're not getting Frank from us because everything you just said is why we want to keep Frank. That length, that defense. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you don't have a Luca. No, we you don't. You need to we get a Luca. But if we can get Kyrie. That'll balance it That's out true. a lot. Oh, dude, <laughs> so, I would love to see Kyrie play with Frank, dude. That would be fucking that would awesome. Be, that would be a yin and yang, those two going together. Yes, it that'd would. Be, yes, be it perfect. would. Um, but as far as... Throw KD in that mix, course, and you got yourself a fucking team, bro. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It weakens Boston while completely making the Knicks like this huge superpower now. Uh, so I'd be completely down with that. It would make both oh, seem it. more human. It'd make them seem more human and less my, godlike like they are now. My my absolute dream scenario is that the Knicks land both somehow land both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to pair with all of their young guys that they have, uh, and and essentially have you know basically a. a as far as viability, a six-man rotation of uh, Kyrie, Frank, um, Kevin Knox, KP, Mitchell Robinson, um, and who am I forgetting? Um, well, we still have Lee. We still have Hardaway, but I assume you're saying we're no. They would be gone. Um, yeah. Lance. Anyway, Lance Thomas. No, fuck no. He'd be gone too. Um, he's got a million-dollar buyout next year. That motherfucker's. Definitely gone, um, but uh, it, regardless, like the the point being, it, it's just like um, uh, maybe did, did I say Kevin Knox? Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, maybe I didn't say <laughs> maybe I didn't say KD because um, one of you those guys. Say uh, Katie. That's who you missed. Okay, there you go, KD. Because you'd weaken the Celtics, you'd weaken the Warriors, and like. The parody would be back, and me and Joel would just like seriously have like a five minute long moment of silence live on air, just like praying and 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 thanking God for what he bestowed upon us <laughs> because it would be like it would be that kind of awesomeness um for me and, yeah. and and I'm sure for for Joel as well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. At that Especially point, since Joel, Joel would, be, would be benefiting like tenfold. Like yeah, on like, both ends. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, exactly. I think at that point but, uh, we'd be at we'd be at almost every Nick game. Um, but, <laughs> but back to your original question. Um, to yeah. me, the the back and forth between the well, not between the two of them because they haven't said anything. But the the back and forth through social media from the two of them, I, I find funny only because <clears throat> all the hype that everyone built up of Luca. I went back watched some of his stuff like on YouTube. The guy is a freaking monster. Like everything yeah. you said about him, I felt like wasn't even justice to like how freaking great this kid is. Like this guy is a yep. monster. Um, yep. And Michael Porter Jr. was the other guy, right? Yeah, and 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 he was like the the kind of general consensus number one overall pick before college. Like he was the number one um, 
he was the number one All American going into college. Yeah, I mean, from from what I saw from him, I mean, he looks like a good player. He's going to be a good player. But Luca looks like that's like when it's all said and done, he's going to be first ballot Hall of Fame with numbers that yeah. are just insane. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I don't hold those two players on the same on the same level. So I mean, the idea of someone taking shots at Luca being overrated, the most overrated, they must not, they must not know basketball because I could name you. Let me just say this: there was a draft where LeBron was in it, Melo was in it, Wade was in it, Bosch was in it. There was a player drafted before Dwayne Wade, Melo, and Bosch. That is over it. Why would you, if you're the Pistons, at that point, if you had drafted Melo to, to put yeah. him there with those that Pistons team, are you serious? Or you're Bosch, man. Like, yeah, you're they should have drafted Bosch. Absolutely. You're talking about being kings for way longer than they were, uh, especially yeah. with the, the guys kind of getting a little older. A youthful guy like Bosh and Melo would have helped that team out tremendously. You wouldn't even have this. Yeah, the reason, that, that the, reason they didn't, the reason they didn't take Melo was because they just re-signed Torian Prince to a long-term deal. And at, at the time, like, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but, like, Torian Prince was, like, the ultimate defensive wing. Like yeah, he was the yeah, lockdown defensive nightmare, um, very much like a like a Trevor Ariza of today, um, yeah. and you know like he he His was that good. Was thick, man. Oh yeah, His he was like six was foot thick. eight, six foot eleven wingspan. Like dude, yeah, he was fucking awesome. Um, so like I understand why they they didn't want to draft a small forward because that's what Carmelo Anthony was at the time. But, like, yeah, they totally should have drafted Chris Bosh. Like, Absolutely. Like, he would have been perfect for them. Um, and they probably would have won, like, at least one, if not two more championships with Bosh on that roster. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, they drafted Darko Milicic, which is funny that you bring that up because, um, you know, through, throughout all of my Hawks threads, that I went through and saying we, if we, you know, get an opportunity to draft Luka Doncic, we should draft Luka Doncic. And all these people are like, I don't want to fucking draft the next Darko Milicic. And I was like, motherfuckers, like Luka Doncic is not the next Darko Milicic. Like Luka Doncic is he at the time he hadn't, but he just like now he he won MVP in the Euro League the most competitive basketball league outside of the NBA, far more competitive than collegiate basketball. Um, he, uh, he not only won the MVP, he won the Final Four MVP. He led his team to a championship. Uh, he's been playing professionally since he was 15 years old in the best basketball league outside of the NBA on the best basketball team that doesn't exist in the NBA, um, and Darko Milicic played in, like, some, like, I, I don't even, I can't even remember. It was, like, a Baltic league. I, it, like, it was, like, a no-name um, league uh, in, 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 like, Euro basketball, but it wasn't, it wasn't the Euro league. Um, he, he didn't even play in the same league as, as Luka. So, like, they, like, Milicic, like 
and the other thing too is like scouting has become so much better than it used to be. Like we don't. I mean, <laughs> those kind Darko's, of mistakes don't happen like they used to. Like, granted, yeah, you do the, get a, the occasional Anthony Bennett, um, but like, oh, when's the last time? Oh yeah, but like, when's the last time? Like, I I I would say like Mario Hazonia was the last time like a um, like a European player just got super overrated. Um, but here's the thing, like the the magic took him fifth overall, I think, maybe sixth, somewhere right in there. Um, but like most people didn't have him rated that high. Most people had him rated like tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and like they reached on him and, and took him way higher. Like Usually, when you're when you're looking at these these prospects, these overseas prospects, these European players, their ratings, um, you know, on on you know your 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 typical draft boards are more accurate now than they have ever been. So, given all of that information, like yeah, Luke is going to be I mean, looking off. Yeah, I mean, also we can't forget the biggest reason the Pistons went after uh, Darko was because of his size. That was around yeah. the time where teams yeah, like just weren't rejecting size. Yeah, they just were in mm-hmm. love with size. Like, I mean, the guy shows you nothing of, like, being this Hall of Fame talent or, like, this supreme defensive player. It was just like we love his size, and we could add that size to, to our pitching team. Like, I mean, and when you drafted Hazonia, I don't think you drafted Hazonia over a Mello, a Dwayne Wade, and a Chris Bosh. So, I mean, no. even in that case, although, it wasn't like you were – although. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Hazonia, one of one of the things about Hazonia was his size as well. Um, as a as a shooting guard being like six nine and you know, having Link they were like, Well surely like even though he's not athletic, he can be like somewhat good defensively because he has size and it's like See, to be no. honest with you, I'm I'm more willing to make that mistake than I am to have seen what Mello, Wade and Bosch did. Uh, in their respective college careers, and say, nah, we don't need any of those. Yeah, especially we'll, we'll go for this really yeah. tall guy. Yeah, so to me, I don't get yeah. that. But um, yeah, Darko to me seems like he might be this generation Steve Nash. So I mean, that that's just something like the pick and roll he could do with with uh, sorry, DeAndre you, you those Luca. alleys. And stuff. Luca, I'm sorry, Luca. I apologize. I'm sorry, Luca. Yeah. Um, just what just what he's gonna do with those bigs that they have on that team, and I think and yeah. this is something I haven't heard many people say. I think he's gonna really bring out uh, the best in um, Harrison Barnes this year. I think he's gonna really oh, help so. uh, Harrison Barnes' numbers. So that's what by I'm. By the looking, way, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. By the way, did you see uh, the Hawks and um, Mavericks face off on MLK Day? Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, that'll you know, be very the, the, interesting. <laughs> yes, I, I very much look forward to seeing it. Um, like I'm hoping we lose, you know, only because, you know, I, I, I again, like I, I want us to, I feel like we need to trust the process. We need to embrace like Philly, um, and, and their like way of doing things. Um, I, I really think that I don't think there's, that many teams that have really embraced it, and I think mm-hmm. the Hawks could be one of them, and and it would be very beneficial. Um, but uh, but nevertheless, I like I 
I think it'll be interesting because I think Trey Young will be out for that game. I think Luca will be out for that game, and I think it'll be really, really, really fun to watch. Um, I will but, say, uh, but yeah. last, Go ahead. last thing on the topic, I will say, uh, as far as it's like overrated, one player I think might come out of college next year that, that might be a little overrated, only because of what I've seen from him, I don't see how his game, how he attacks that, translate to uh, the pros, Zion. I love the guy. I was raving ah. about him to Joel. But I feel like his game, I feel like he should stay at least two years because the way he mm-hmm. attacks and goes no about the game, I don't think you could do that in the pros. I don't think it's going to be that easy in the pros. So watching him in college this Doesn't year matter. is very important because I, I, I know he's definitely coming out uh, to, to enter yeah. the draft after and this one good. year. And he's really good. But the way I see his, his game, I have to see if in college if it elevates, because if it doesn't, that could potentially be one of those really high draft picks that might not be as great as people are assuming it'll be. Yeah, well, and, and that's the, the thing is, like, don't have a, a large sample size. It's a lot harder to gauge all of these things. Um, but... Um, he totally should like declare for the draft um, because his stock is not going to grow. Like he's not a guy who, you know, if he stays, his stock will grow and he will, you know, get a lot more money next season. You know, like I'm just one of those people who, who really am of the opinion. Like if you're going to be a first round pick, go like, I don't give a shit about whether, you know, well, if you went this year, you might be drafted number 17 overall, but if you stayed, you might be drafted number nine overall. Well, you know what? Um, If I go this year, I'm going to make $2.5 million, and if I went next year, I'd make $3.5 million. But here's the thing. Like, yes, all of my subsequent contracts – starting next season would be more than what they are if I, you know, get drafted less this season. But I come up for contract renewal a year earlier. So, like, if I'm as good as I think I am, like, I, I can I can make that money back in, in five years. Um, you know, like, I, 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 I really think anybody – like, I think Daniel Gafford of um, uh, Arkansas – really made a mistake by not declaring for the draft this year. I think he would have been an easy uh, first-round pick, probably, maybe even a lottery pick, um, definitely definitely a first-rounder. Like, I think easily in the top 20. Um, but, you know, he didn't, and, and we saw how that worked out for Miles Bridges um, or Robert Williams. Like, Robert Williams was – kind of widely considered a, a lottery pick last season and he ended up going number 27 overall to the Celtics um, and, and Miles Bridges was considered a top 10 pick last season and he ended up going number 12 like so you know I, I, I for anybody who is going to be a first round pick like just go go like get your fucking money don't Day. Like, there's no reason, like, even if you rise up in the draft stock, you know, like, 
the, the money, the extra money that you will make isn't worth it because you're going to contract extension, non-rookie contract extension a year sooner. So you're going to make that money back even quicker. Like get in league as young as you can so you can start making money. Um, but anyway, um, let, let, let's move on. Uh, we've still got a lot to cover and we got just under an hour to, to get it all in. Uh, Piggybacking off on this conversation uh, of MPJ, uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Trey Young recently squared off in a three-point shooting contest, and MPJ won it. Um, essentially, the the two of them just shot threes until somebody missed, um, and Trey Young was the first person to miss. I think they both made five, six, seven threes before um, Trey finally missed. Um, I at this I don't – this doesn't, like, concern me at all about Trey, but, like, the fact that, like, MPJ, despite his, like, back injury is out there, like, just draining threes like that, I was like, damn, like, I thought you just had back surgery, motherfucker. Like, what the fuck are you doing out there, like, just draining threes? Um, I, it, I, if I'm a Denver Nuggets fan, I'm like, bruh, like, Dude, MPJ is just out there just draining threes like like it's nothing. They like seriously, his shot looks like butter. Um I know you just got through saying you don't see him in the same level as Luca and I get that. Um I don't necessarily see him in that same level as of right now. Um but there's a reason why this kid was getting comps to Kevin Durant. And, like, early on, like, in his high school career. And, dude, if he can get – if he's got that, like, awesome three-point stroke that just um, off the dribble, um, both that and catch and shoot, if he can master all of that, like, and and just, like, drain threes. He's 6'10", 6'11". He's got that same kind of height advantage that KD has. This kid is going to be really good if he can just – get over that back injury, uh, and I, I I think this is the first little bit of footage that I've seen that kind of made me remember, like, how good or how hyped I was for him at, at one point in time, and I, I, I think if I'm a Denver fan, I'm like, all right, like, let's go, you know? Um, that being said... We still don't have a timetable for when he's going to return this season, if he is going to return this season. But um, this amount of footage, like, this little bit of footage, like, definitely kind of amped me up for MPJ. Um, did you see the footage, and, and what do you think about, um, you know, him basically, um, you know, not missing a three-pointer before Trey Young? Well, I do want to clarify what I was saying earlier on. I don't see him on the same level as uh, Luca. Um, is because I see, from what I saw, I I do feel like Luca will be a Hall of Famer uh, with insane numbers when it's all said and done. I see Michael Porter more the same way I see Wiggins and Jabari, to where they have a lot, and I mean a lot, of hype and buzz coming out, uh, coming from high school, going into college, and then somewhat from college, uh, the hype was there. Um, but they're just good players. 
they're good players, and that's no knock. I mean, Jabari, I think, had potential to be great before these consecutive injuries. Um, but Wiggins just, just doesn't seem to have, like Jimmy said, the dog in him. Um, but I see Porter kind of being in maybe a, a notch above those guys, but around that area. So he's just really good. He's a really good player. Um, I, I don't see Hall of Fame in him. But, I mean, I'm willing to obviously give him a chance. I did see the video. Uh, shot looks great. Looks great. Yeah. But what does that shot look like contested? What does that shot look yeah. like? when Durant has his hand in your face. You know what I'm saying? So that I want to give him time, you know, to get healthy and then show me that. Um, So I'm not knocking the kid by any means, but everything I keep seeing from Luca, I'm like, yeah, I I see this guy having a career being on par of Nash or definitely a step above Nash uh, just because the guy is just a monster. Um, But, yeah, I mean (laughs) – it doesn't change the fact that Trey Young is still probably going to have is still probably going to become Trey Curry. Um, it just means Michael Porter uh, in this game just had it going, and maybe Trey just didn't. So I mean, like you said before, um, they're both knocking him down, and then Trey just missed one. Uh, but I still think Trey is on is on par to becoming Trey Curry, um, and hmm. Michael Michael Porter is just we have to wait till he gets fully healthy see what he looks like against big-time NBA talent. Uh, and if he can still look like butter like that, then he's, he's got a fan in me. But I got to wait until I see him actually play a game in the NBA first. Yep. No, I feel you there. Um, I would say that I it, my only qualm with everything that you said is I I definitely think Luca is I agree with you everything on him, um, but I think MPJ is um, I I can see where you're coming from as far as like an Andrew Wiggins um, or uh, Jabari Parker comp, um, but I I think I think the better comp for him um, would be almost more like a Greg Oden, and it's like if Greg Oden. Like, the whole, with the notion of if Greg Oden hadn't, you know, suffered career-ending injuries, he would have been one of the most dominant players in the NBA. Like, that that dude would have been sick. Um, and I think that's more MPJ. It's just, it, it's going to depend on if his back holds up. And if it does, he's going to be great. Um, and if it doesn't, he's not ever going to amount to anything. I don't I don't see him as like a, a Wiggins. I think maybe Parker, like you said, like Parker because of his injury thing, like would be a more apt comparison. Wiggins is just weird, man. Wiggins is just an anomaly. Like I don't I just don't understand why Wiggins is not better than he is. I don't get it at all. Like I yeah, don't get why he's such a is. bad defender. I don't get why he is is not a better shooter. I, I I I don't get Wiggins' game at all. Like it, the fact that he is not. It, and to me, you know what it goes back to. I would say uh, you're kind of like Wiggins is like Bynum. <laughs> uh, he's just fucking lazy. <laughs> I I don't I don't think there's any other way to explain it. Like the the dude is just he doesn't care. He doesn't care enough. Like he he literally looks bored when he's playing games. Like, um, I, the only time I ever saw him, like, actually get excited was when he 
uh, made that bang shot against um, OKC in their first game um, against each other last season uh, to win the game. He made like a bank sh- a bank three to win the game, and like he got like all super excited, and I was like, oh my god, like fucking Wiggins, dude, like fuck you, like because I was rooting for OKC, and like, but every other time I've ever seen him, like it was just it's, it's like he doesn't care. Yeah, and it's weird because none of the scouts thought Wiggins would be like this because the motor for him no. was so high in high school, and the yep. motor was there in college. Um, yep. So it was just like, this guy's going to be so great. And what's crazy yep. is, Nick, the guy can score. The guy can yeah. score. I don't know why he just refuses to play defense or consistent defense. He has the size mm. to be able to do something. Yes. Um, he was projected as, like, an elite defender. Like, everybody said, like, with his scouting report, like, this guy will be an elite defender. Like, and it's like, crazy thing no, is, no Wiggins, he's, he's, he's not even, he's not even, like, not an elite defender. He's just not even a good defender. Like, he's bad. The crazy thing is, if if he was in the Eastern Conference and played to his actual potential, Wiggins could be an All Star every year, every year, yeah. every year in the Absolutely. Eastern Conference. Absolutely. I think if Absolutely. you put him in there now, they would still be like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but like, you know, I'm, I'm not yeah, but, sure. Yeah, but like, the crazy thing is this: is like, as much as like Wiggins has the potential. If you were to ask me, like, say, all right, you have uh, all four out of your five positions filled uh, in your starting lineup. You have a a good starting point guard, shooting guard, power forward, and center. Um, A guy who can play small forward who will help your team. Um, You already have, you know, like, at least two elite players on your team, like, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Andrew Wiggins or Otto Porter Jr. with their current contracts? Because Otto Porter Jr. is, like, way the fuck overpaid, like, crazy amount overpaid. Um, but, like, still, I would say give me Otto Porter Jr. The guy shoots, like, 43% from three. Um, he actually plays at least a little bit of defense. Like, like actually plays reasonably good defense. Um, like, yeah, he can't create his own shot, but – you know, Wiggins, yes, he can, Wiggins can create his own shot, but, like, you know, if, if if I were building, like, a championship roster, I'd rather have Otto Porter than I would Wiggins because, it's like, Wiggins, yes, he can create his own shot, but, like, he can't do anything else. He can't do anything else that I need from him. Like, that's the thing. He's, like, Kobe Bryant, um, like-esque, if you will, without any of Kobe's, like, tenacity on defense, because Kobe was a terrific fucking defender. Um, and, you know, he it just it doesn't have the drive. He doesn't care like, like Kobe did. Um, and it's, like, if I'm going to take a player who, like, seemingly doesn't care, I'd rather have a guy who plays a little bit of defense and, like, can catch and shoot from three. <laughs> you know? Like, um, and that being Otto Porter Jr. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Do you, would, you, would you rather have um, OPJ or would you rather have uh, uh, Wiggins if you were 
um, like if you if all of your other positions were set and you had two, um, say you had two uh, like elite all stars if not superstars. If I had two all stars, yeah, I don't I don't I don't need Wiggins uh, unless he's bringing it every night. I just need someone that I know can defend and can knock down uh, the open three. That's that's pretty much just that's the position that's I would need to be filled. But but if Wiggins is bringing it and can play to his actual potential, then yes, of course I would want Wiggins. The athleticism, the 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 length, the height, the ability to score at will. Um, all all anyone's asking him to do is care. I mean, I don't I don't get what's yeah. so hard about that, but I do get your point. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, Kawhi Leonard recently penned a letter thanking the Spurs and San Antonio for his time there. Um, I, <laughs> I think this is so funny. Um, like, why? Like, why? Like, everybody knows about all of the fucking shit that went on and, it, like, just an issue, like a like a, a very kind of broad letter saying thanks, you know, for my time, you know, like I, I'm appreciative, um, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, we did some good things, but I had to move on. Like it, it almost to me just kind of seems like a slap in the face, um, to the Spurs organization and their fans. Like just don't, don't even do it. Don't even issue a letter. Who the fuck told him he should send this letter or at, at the very least, who the fuck told him like it was a good idea. Like he had to have gone to somebody with it and been like, yo, like I'm going to write this letter. And then somebody should have been like, nah, dude, don't like, just, just don't like, just let it go and just like carry on living your life. <laughs> um, do you agree with me there, Juwan, or do you, do you think this letter was, you know, something that, was necessary or at least something that maybe is it was genuine or what have you. Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think he wrote it. Um, I believe someone in his <laughs> camp wrote it. Um, I believe his uncle is trying not to look like the worst uh, agent ever um, by sure. having his nephew not only withhold from playing, but withhold from talking. Uh, so he was like, well, we got to do some kind of gesture of goodwill. But all I'm saying is this letter won't stop them from booing you when you return back to San Antonio. So, I mean, it's just right. like, who is it for? Who is it for? Like, if you were trying to make it to the organization, that could have been a phone call. If you were trying to make it to Popovich, you could have made that phone call. If you were trying to tell the team that you were appreciative of them, those are phone calls. If you're trying to do it for the fans, you could tell the fans that you loved it, you, you wanted to stay, whatever bull crap you wanted to, to give to them. They're still going to boo you the first time you step foot on that court back in San Antonio. So there's nothing that letter could have said that's going to stop him because we know too much. So there's nothing going to – and you said nothing while they were pouring all that, that negativity on your name. You said nothing. So now it's like we only heard it from one side, so now that's what we believe. So there's nothing yeah. you can do that would change our minds and not liking you <laughs> when you come back. So, yeah, I, I, the, the whole idea of the letter – made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll just wrap this one up real quick. Pretty stupid. Um, I think that's the best way we could sum that up. Uh, it, it makes absolutely no sense. 
Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, but we will stay with the Raptors. The Raptors <clears throat> have a franchise record, 15 nationally televised games this upcoming season. They only had 16 televised games last four years combined. So, like, obviously the Kawhi Leonard trade is, is helping them as far as getting national press. Um, I would I would say that's undeniable. The fact that you, you're going 15 versus 15 over one year versus 16 over four. So, do you think that with these, you know, 15 nationally televised games, do you think that can end Kawhi Leonard eventually like staying in Toronto, Jawan? Uh, well, no. He wanted to be in a larger market, and albeit that does bring in, I guess, more marketing, I, I assume. Is this the point of, like, okay, they're on I told TV. you before, Toronto's a huge city. It's like the number no, six I'm not, I'm not market the in the whatsoever. NBA. I'm not knocking the city whatsoever. We actually, me and you, had this conversation before uh, because yeah, I was yeah. knocking it last time. Um but, I mean, it, you wanted a larger market. Cool. My thing is, there were San Antonio games, obviously not nearly as many, uh, that were widely televised. And unless they're playing like Golden State or LeBron, no one watches their yeah. first game. Um, yeah. So, my yeah. thing is, okay, cool, they're on TV, but is anyone watching these Raptors games? Um, and that'll be a testament to see. If they yeah. do, because I can tell you now, the Knicks could the Knicks could pay, play the Hornets on NBA TV. People are watching the Knicks, whether it's just to make fun of them or because they want to see Kimba Walker drop ninety on the Knicks in the Garden. Like those games yeah. being televised, and if Toronto plays, up, ain't nobody fucking watching. No one's gonna watch that. So my thing is, nope. you being in that media in that big time media like Toronto, it only works if the ratings. Uh, cater to it. Like, if he went to L.A. and there was no LeBron, people would still watch the Lakers. If he went to right. um, the Knicks and there was no Kyrie, they would still watch the Knicks. So that's the biggest difference. So it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if the ratings yeah, and you're, are and you're, on par. And just be clear, you're and just to be clear, you're talking about um you know, like nationwide, you're not talking about like right. their fan base, like because right. obviously yeah. Toronto, Toronto has a, a terrific fan base, and we would never, yeah, like 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 they're fucking unbelievable, like great, one of the best NBA fan bases. But like the thing is, like I'm sorry to say, no one gives a shit about Toronto about about their team outside of Toronto, like people. People want to watch the Knicks. People want to watch the Lakers. People want to watch, like, but, all of these teams. And it's, like, it's it's hard to, like, I feel like the only team that has really supplemented itself into that hemisphere that is not, like, a genuine team that we've all cared about for years and years or what have you is OKC. Um, and honestly, the, the biggest reason why that happened was because KD went to Golden State, and like yeah, well, and I, I guess you get Nick. their gold, you get their Golden State in, into that category too because 
no one really cared about Golden State before um, Steph and them. But, that is true. I will say, but, though, one thing that, that hurt Toronto was they missed a chance last year. Last year, if that team went to the Eastern Conference Finals and potentially beat Boston in seven games and win the Finals. They wouldn't have gotten Kawhi, though. No, they wouldn't have. But what I'm saying is as far as that market being but they more, got those, uh, They probably would have got those 15 uh, nationally televised games, though. Right, Regardless. but what I'm saying is you would have people like, okay, wait, who is this Toronto team? Let me watch more of them. Like, they just Whereas, went to the final. Right, whereas we are more intrigued by Indiana. Right, right. So the biggest thing is you you would now – the thing about San Antonio is they don't make household names to where, like, you see them on commercials a bunch of the time. Like, I mean, Duncan had his – Chernobyl, I'm sure, had his. Kawhi did have one with Adidas, I think it was. Um, but you don't see them too often. And they're non-talkers. So it's like, I don't think the the nation knows that much about Kawhi Leonard enough to tune into 15 to 16 nationally televised games to see this guy play. Um, so it's just like, I, you didn't do anything to build up to, to maximize the numbers. Like, the Raptors would have to be playing the Lakers or the Celtics or the, the – like, they'd have to be playing big-time teams for the nation of basketball fans to tune in to watch those Raptors. Yeah, I, I ultimately think you're right. Like, I, I – like, I'm intrigued to see how Kawhi, like, fits in with that team and, like, maybe throughout the season I'll care a little bit more, but uh, – I'm definitely not marking the Raptors games down on my calendar. Whereas OKC, like, anytime they play, like, if OKC is on ESPN, I'm watching. I am fucking watching because I love watching Russell Westbrook. Um, I root for him. Um, The fact that, like, he got, you know, kind of spurned by by Kevin Durant, Um, you know, essentially, like, KD being, like, and uh, this is a little bit of just my opinion on on the the you know how it went down, but like in my opinion, like Katie was like, I don't like the way you play basketball. Like I would rather go play a, a more team oriented game with you know the Warriors. Um, and granted, like you know he's caught a bunch of flack for joining a seven three win team, what have you. This is not that conversation. Um, but like. The fact that, like, you know, the, that narrative exists, um, you know, like, I think it just fuels Russell Westbrook. And, like, you always see him playing 100 miles an hour. And it's like, you know, he, he's kind of always played like that, but he's played even more like that, or even it's been more highlighted, if you will, um, over the last few seasons, over the last couple seasons. Um, I will and I, I never, I never miss, I never miss uh, a, a a thunder, a nationally televised thunder game. Um, and there, no, I'm with there's you on that. a couple teams like that for me, but like, I don't think the Raptors will be one of them. I will say this: three games I'm looking forward to as far as the Raptors. That first game back in San Antonio for Kawhi. Yes. Uh, Should have been I'm Christmas Day. I'm looking forward to seeing. 
I'm also circling their first game against Boston because I want to see how this team plays mm. against Boston in their first meetup because that, to me, will determine what it will be in a series if they end up playing each other. Like, is Kawhi yeah. going to be Kawhi? So that's what I have yeah. circled in. And my third one is I want to see the new look – well, it's not a new look Raptors, but I want to see that Raptors team go up against Philly. That's what I. That's yeah. what I'm really hungry yes. on, because if they me can, too. if they that's can match Philly, they can match Philly. That will let me know the 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 power structure of that uh, top three seed for the that's East. Like, will it be Boston, we, Toronto, Philly, or mm. Philly, Boston, Toronto? Like, it'll let me know that when yeah. I see uh, Boston, Toronto, Toronto, Philly. Yes. Yeah, I I ultimately agree. Like, I'm most excited to see them play um, the Spurs because just like seeing them, like I have, I really hope the Spurs just like clean their clock and DeRozan scores like 47 points. Like I really do. But um, other than that, like I'm very excited to see them square off against both Philly um, and Boston. I mean, Boston is kind of universally considered the best team in the East. Um, for good reason. Um, but, like, if Toronto comes out and just, like, cleans their clock and then cleans Philly's clock and, like, it, it, you know, we're all going to have to take notice, you know. Um, and it it could happen. Like, I mean, it, it, they could just all click. Um, but we're going to have to wait and see and see how it all unfolds. Um, but anyway, uh, let's move on. we got a couple more topics. Uh, Alex Antetokounmpo, uh, the younger brother of Giannis, is drawing a lot of eyes from scouts because dude is six seven with a seven two wingspan. He's sixteen years old and already has a clutch three point stroke. Like I watched the video of this kid and like dude, kids just draining threes and. Like, he's only 16. He's probably going to grow a few more inches, I would imagine. Like, um, but regardless, you got this kid, like, <clears throat> there's five of these onto the Kimbo brothers. Um, Giannis being the, the one who is the obvious, like, main We had one. The, yeah, you did have one. You had Thonis. Um, yep. But, you know, he... Um, Ultimately, wasn't NBA like talent. Um, I think he, I think he's got he's making himself a career in the Euro leagues. Um, I think that'll ultimately happen with Costas. Um, I think is the other one um, who just got drafted number sixty overall by Dallas, I believe. Um, but uh, but this kid seems like he could be the next Giannis, like. He, he seems to have all of the making for it. Um, my question to you, Juwan, is do you think this kid, given his six seven build, 7-2 wingspan, the fact that he can already drain threes, um, and, you know, given his bloodline, do you think that this kid could be – the next Antetokounmpo to be a superstar in the NBA? Uh, it's, 
Is he in college yet? He's not in college yet, right? No, he's 16. Oh, okay. So he's not in college yet. So my he's got three years more is he's going to enter the NBA. Yeah, my biggest thing for him is to see him at least in college. Like, to me, I will never hype a high schooler more than – because I, I never – like, I'll never think he's there's a better high schooler. College one. You said he's not going to play maybe. college? I mean, I mean, I don't know, maybe. Like, I mean, he, he could just, you know, go play for a European team when he's 18 oh, and, yeah. and make money. Because I just have yeah. to see him in something that's not high school. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Yeah, the only sure. only time I've ever seen someone in high school and gone, yeah, that's going to be something dangerous with LeBron. So I try not to judge yeah. kids off of high school. Yeah. So I at least need to see more competitive than high school. Because, I mean, not many kids are, are built like that. So it's like, yeah, that's going to look easy and look fun in high school. Um, but, like, what do you do when you go to college? Or like you said, the yearly, where it's definitely more competitive. Um, mm. So that's what I'm going to look out for. But I tell you this, his brother still doesn't have a shot, a consistent shot. So he's already ahead right. of the curve on that, exactly. uh, especially a three-pointer. So if he could do defensively what Giannis does, yeah, he's going to be a problem, a huge problem. Um, yeah. But I just I want to see him against more competition before I make that much of a leap. Yeah, no, I feel you there. Uh, I, I kind of feel the same way, but all that being said, like, just the little bit of film that I saw on the guy, like, yeah, if he can, if he can hit that shot, like, it, to me, like, he doesn't even have to be, um, like, the player that Giannis is. It's like, there are so many teams, like, and just so much of a, um, of a demand for quote-unquote, three-and-D guys, and if he could fill that mold, he's going to make himself a lot of money. And, like, like just think about it. Um, Andre Robertson made, uh, got himself a $30 million three-year contract, and he's not a three-and-D guy. He's just a D guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy can't shoot to save his life and made $30 million. Like, like three and D guys, like they they get contracts. Like that's that's I mean that's how Tim Hardaway got a contract. That's how Cam Bazemore got a contract. Um, of uh, of those like of that like monetary value. So I think he's he's got a promising future um, if he can knock down a three and play like at, uh, above average defense. So. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, obviously he's still really young; he's only 16. Um, but and you know the uh, the other Antetokounmpo brothers have not, um, you know, lived up to any of the hype that uh, Giannis has, has has basically fulfilled. So, but I I do think this Alex kid could be um, the next one. Uh, I do want to ask you real quick uh, before we move on to our final topic. Um, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, so if you have to think for a second, it's all good. Um, what's your favorite, uh, like, NBA royalty, like, family? Because, uh, obviously, we got that. We got these onto the Kumpos, who, you know, there's five of them. There's four of them that are, are basketball players. The, the oldest one's, like, a soccer player. 
Um, but uh, you know, obviously they're not they're not NBA royalty, um, at least not mm-hmm. yet. Um, but like as far as NBA royalty, as far as like family, like who's your favorite NBA family? My favorite NBA family, hands down, is the Bears. Yeah. Yes, I love it. Yeah, yeah, hands down. And and the fact that uh, was it Brett? The fact that he transitioned it to yes. a pretty good broadcasting uh, position. Yes. Yeah, I think the fact that they could ball on and the court. John, John and John Harry is also in a broadcast. John is on there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I completely forgot. He does usually NBA TV games. Not mm-hmm. maybe. I think I I've seen him do a couple ESPN games. Um, sure, yeah, I, I yeah. think I have to. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But, but yeah, yeah Rick's definitely, definitely the, the more prominent one, yeah. Right. I definitely have to go with them. Yeah, and and the, just like Rick Barry, like one of the greatest two guards ever. Like, in fact, you know, we were, we were talking about recently, like, um, I think uh, somebody, uh, I think Luke shared a image about some, like, little pretty few teen who was talking shit about AI and um, obviously um, all of us were like fuck this kid he didn't know what he's talking about um, but you know it, it did bring out the, 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 the conversation of the notion of who is uh, you know the top five or ten best shooting guards Rick Bear would definitely have to be in that conversation of like top five best shooting guards of all time because that guy was just something else like um yeah no i i totally love that pick um in fact that was going to be my pick um but uh i will say in lieu of that uh i'll go with a more um more recent uh uh family i'll go with the holidays i like i like drew holiday like Justin Holiday, their their brother um, Aaron Holiday just got drafted by the Pacers, number twenty three overall. Um, I, I, I like I like those guys, uh, especially like Drew, just balled out last season. Like everybody was talking shit about his contract, and then come playoff time, everybody was like, "I'm gonna shut the fuck up, no, about anything I said about his contract." Um, because uh, dude earned every penny that uh, that they paid him uh, last season. Um, so yeah, I, I really do. I like the holidays a lot. But yeah, uh, I would definitely go with the berries as my number one as well. Um, but anyway, let's move on to our last topic of the night. Uh, Zaire Smith. Ah, the Sixers curse. He. Fractured his left foot in in a development camp for players. I don't even know what to say because it's just this always happens to over the last. It's like it's part of the trust the process. Is like you're you're bound to have a rookie get injured, um, and he's out indefinitely. Like a, a fractured foot, like. You know, he's, he might be out for the whole season. Who knows? Like, um, but nevertheless, um, this is just kind of the way things go for the Sixers. Um, but I will say this. I think 
Ben Simmons greatly benefited off of traveling with the team and learning everything before he actually stepped foot on the court. Um, I think Markel Fultz is going to come back, even though he played a few games last season, he's going to come back and have a, a, a huge impact on this team uh, in this upcoming season. Um, so, obviously, Embiid benefited from it as well. Um, you know, Noel and, and, and Julio Ford, like, is, you know, neither here nor there. Um, but as far as the people that are on this team, uh, I I think this might actually be beneficial to him because he probably wasn't going to get a lot of minutes anyway. Um, like, granted, he can play both the two and and the three, I think they're going to make some kind of trade at some point in time um, uh, to swap Bayless for another wing player. Um, my money right now is on Jeremy Lamb um, because I don't think the quarter deal is going to happen. I think Jeremy Lamb would be an easier get um, and, and kind of provide you with the same amount of, um, you know, uh, what you're going to get from Corver. Um but I think, you know, given that, you know, they have Reddick, they have Korkmaz, uh, and as far as the small forward, they have Covington, and they just got Wilson Chandler, like, there's not going to be a lot of minutes to go around for him anyway. So, like, just learning the game and everything else uh, for him, I, like, is this is this something that, like, Philly just, like, is like, all right, we're, like, we're just going to plan this out. Like, all right, you're going to get hurt, and, you know, we're just going to – you're going to take everything in, and then next year when you play, you're going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> I, I, I'm not suggesting that that's the way it is. It's just it, – it does seem at this point a little ironic that that's the way it keeps happening. Am I wrong, Juan? No, I think it's actually their superpower. I think Philly tells their players, like, listen – if you want to achieve your ultimate potential, you know, let an injury come your way. And when you get back, you're going to be really good. Uh, I mean, even last year we saw flashes that we liked of, um, what's his name? Uh, Markel. The point guard. Yeah, Markel Fultz. So, I mean, it's not as if, like, we're, we're making this up. Ben was injured, came back, looked phenomenal one rookie of the year. Same thing Embiid did. So, I mean, it just seems to be a working thing. Now, obviously, we're joking. We're not saying that they want their players hurt. Uh, we're just saying it just isn't a coincidence that it keeps happening this way. Um, and the craziest thing is, uh, I think outside of Embiid, I don't think Simmons, uh, Fultz, or this, this kid you're, uh, you're referring to, I don't think any of them had prior, like, injury history. So, it, it's not even like, oh, they came into the league with having, like, these really bad ankles or something like that. It just it, it springs out of nowhere. Like, boom, got injured out for the year. It's just like, what do they keep doing over there in Philly? Like, put them <laughs> in, in plastic wrap and, and don't let them come out to the start of the season. Um, it just, it, it's super weird it keeps happening that way. But, yeah, I think it's honestly their superpower. It's Philly Brass telling them, hey, if you want to achieve your ultimate potential – but that injury coming your way, man. Trust me, you'll come back, and that rookie of the year will be there waiting for you. Uh, I love it. Conspiracy theory gold. Um, <laughs> anyway, that is uh, that's about all we have for tonight. 
I did want to ask you, John, um, only because we we haven't really had the opportunity to discuss this between one another up until this point. Um, Western Conference Finals. Um, who you got in in the Western Conference Finals this season? Um, I'm going to stick with what I was at before. I mean, depending on seeding, I guess I have to take that into effect. But I'm going to keep it as where I've I've always had my mindset: Golden State Lakers. I'm going Golden State versus Ooh. the Lakers. Um, and I'm going with right now. You know, I love my hot takes. I'm going if everyone on this Lakers team stays healthy. And the caveat of, because I really fell in love with that trade that you brought up, they can secure a Robin Lopez. I I don't, I mean, that team, that Golden State team now having DeMarcus Cousins and around the finals, he'll be healthy to come back. I'm really hoping that he's a detriment to the locker room enough so LeBron can get that series win and go to the finals and finally possibly win another one. Uh, without having to form a, a super ultra, you know, ultimate Avengers team just to get past the Warriors. Um, I, I'm going with that right now. The final pick is a little far-fetched, uh, even from my belief. But I am saying that I'm sticking with LeBron versus Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Word. I'm going to go with uh, Golden State and OKC. Um, ah. I, think, uh, I, I do. I really... <laughs> I love, and I know we said this last year, um, both you and I were on that bandwagon, and we, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll die on that hill being wrong um, as far as Melo working out in OKC. Um, But I really like all the moves that Sam Presti has made this offseason. I think he's one move away from making this team like not only like a contender, but like like a legit one uh, B to Golden State's one A because like they have the assets, they really do. They, I mean, they have Schroeder, they have um, like once the season. Here's here's my scenario for you. Once the season like gets underway, um, like Aaron Gordon is a guy who for all intents and purposes should be up in the air for trade talks, um, you know, come, come mid season, uh, because the magic, you know, drafted, um, uh, Mo Bamba recently. Um, and they, uh, last year drafted, um, Jonathan Isaac. And that should be your, your, you know, four or five of the future. So Aaron Gordon doesn't really fit into that. Um, if you can get a good trade for him, like, you know, why not take it? I think they could make a deal for him, uh, and, you know, maybe maybe that would be beneficial. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe Jaron Grant is better to have. Uh, maybe a more defensive-minded player is better to have. I don't know. Um, well, but, I'll say this. I'll say my only... My only concern about OKC in the Western Conference Finals is, and I was really hoping this would, you know, reassure me. My only issue is what happens if you have a game like you did last year to where Russell's just not hitting and Paul is just nowhere to be found? 
who is going to be that third guy that can, that can try to pick up the well. That's we're we're talking the the possibility of getting that trade. If you get that trade, sure. I don't know if I'd like to put all that pressure on that kid. Uh, hasn't even had playoff experience, and now we're talking the Western Conference Finals. This guy has to kind of carry his own load. Sure. Um, I don't know how he reacts to that, but. I mean, sure, yeah, that would help out tremendously. Even uh, Nerland, I think, is on that team, too. That would help. But yeah. it's just like if Russ isn't hitting and Paul's nowhere to be found, that team can go into some real dark times. And yeah. uh, last year, it, it, it really – I'm sorry, Nick, it really bothered me they couldn't get past Utah. I'm sorry. I, I can't even think of excuses to make. I mean, I get your point on missing out with, with Roberson. Like, that hurt a lot defensively for that team. I just sure. think when you have Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and whatever you were getting from Melo, that should have been enough to take care of Utah. So, I mean, you're without Melo now, which I guess a lot of people might say is a good thing. My only concern is I know Russ brings it every game. Paul has to bring it every game. That's what I'm going to be looking at. Yeah. Yeah, he's got he's to gotta step up a little bit, but I think he will. I really do. I think, I think, uh, like a year in and everything, like working with Russ and having Robertson back and uh, promoting Grant to a, a starting position given his defensive assets. Like you have four players who are elite defenders, like on your starting lineup, like Robertson, uh, Paul George. Uh, Jerry and Grant and Stephen Adams, all elite defenders. So I expect their defense to be like a really elite. Like I, I expect them to have the best defensive rating in in the league. Um, I think OKC and Utah are going to battle it out for best defensive rating. Uh, I think Philly will probably, um, you know, put their nose in the in the mix. But um, I think those two teams will be the best. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I do. I think, I think OKC is going to surprise some people this year. Um, I think they're going to be better than they were last year. And I think the fact that they don't have as much pressure because the, the, like the pressure that they had last season, it was like, well, you gotta play well because you gotta keep Paul George, and if you don't keep Paul George, maybe Carmelo will opt out. Like even though we all knew he wasn't gonna opt out, he was gonna turn twenty-eight million dollars. Um, but maybe he would demand a trade or whatever. Um, but the fact that they were able to keep him and dump Melo, um, given that Melo, you know, wasn't necessarily the best fit, um, and pick up a guy like Schroeder, like who. I'm not a huge fan of that pickup at all. I don't. I don't think he. I know some people have stated like they think he and Westbrook can play side by side because we'll see Westbrook more as a shooting guard, and they want him to take on that role. Um, I don't. I I don't see him in that in that role, and I definitely don't see him playing beside Dennis Schroeder. Like Schroeder is like a B. Like the the. B form of um, B rated form of uh, a Russell Westbrook, like um, so, like I don't, but I think they could move him. I think they could 
they could trade him at some point and, and, and bolster their lineup. Um, I think a, a possible trade other than Gordon is uh, uh, TJ Warren um, from the uh, Phoenix Suns because they have so many wing players and they're not going to have enough room to fucking give them all minutes. Um, they could definitely use a guy like Dennis Schroeder to like run their offense. Um, depending on how Brandon Knight does, I mean, maybe he comes back off his injury and, and ends up being like good, but he hasn't been, he hasn't really been good in like four years, three, three, since he got his contract uh, extension. Uh, I think it's like two or three years. That's usually around when, when guys to flame out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, but like, I think that's also a possibility, but, um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past San Francisco. You know what my biggest thing is, Juan? What? Billy Donovan. Like, can (laughs) Billy Donovan, can he actually like coach a team? Um, can he coach an NBA team? Because we know he can coach a college team. I mean, he, he led Florida to two national championships, um, and I hate him for that. Uh, but, you know, can he actually coach a an NBA team and, like, have that same effectiveness? I don't know. I don't know that he can. Um, you know, we uh, were kind of both together on the fact that, like, last season that, like, he was the biggest problem of – you know, their team is like, do you need to figure out how to utilize Mellow and you're not doing it right? Um, and, like, they never figured it out. Uh, and then Mellow even came out and said, like, you know, in this offseason, he was like, you know, essentially, like, those motherfuckers never figured out how to utilize me. And, like, I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> they didn't. Um, not that you made it easy, um, but. You know they they didn't. Well, I mean, um, and I think to, to be fair, they did find out a way to properly utilize him. He just refused it. They were trying to tell him the best way for you to maximize helping us is to come off the bench. And Miller yes, was like, but, "Who me? Juwan, no." But but I said from like six months into the season, probably not even that much. Um, probably two or three months into the season, I said, like, you don't have to bring him off the bench. Just you can start him, bench him before the other guys, and then bring him off uh, off the bench when you sit down um, Westbrook and PG. Like, let them yeah. be the guys that play together, and then let Mello be your bucket getter um, with the second unit because he's well-rested. And they never did that. Like Paul George was the guy who they like appointed their 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 bucket getter with the second unit. And I was just like, why? Like what? Like why wouldn't you like Mello? Like for all of Mello's faults, Mello is a way better one on one. Like like if you throw Mello the ball, he is a much better ball stopping scorer than Paul George. He just is. He he really is. Um and you know, I, I never understood why they did not give him the ball in those circumstances. But, you know, the fact that 
you know, they, they have a new team with a new lineup. I I don't know. I just think it'll be interesting. I, I wonder how they're, again, that's what makes me a little bit nervous about Schroeder is, like, how are they going to work in Dennis? And I, I get well, they met, I, and Dennis said he was cool with the six-man role, but still makes me nervous. Go ahead. No, you. every time you say that, I keep thinking of how well Reggie and Westbrook worked. Like, that worked really, really well. Uh, it came to the point that they just weren't going to pay Reggie Jackson. Like, that's why Reggie Jackson sure. ultimately left. But it wasn't because he couldn't play next to Westbrook. They were playing great together. I actually liked when that's they come fourth quarter, you had Westbrook and Reggie playing off of each other. Because at that point, it was like, Westbrook's already a hard guard, but what do you do when Reggie starts falling on you? Um, sure. You know, so I love that. So Dennis could be uh, a version of that. Uh, and I ultimately think Dick Schroeder's a better player than Reggie Jackson at this point. Um, so, I mean, you can get a more improved version of that. I think it can work. It just all depends on Schroeder's attitude. Like, you can't come into it thinking you're the man. Like, you have to realize that will never be the day. <laughs> like, that will never happen that that will be your city for them to embrace you. If you go in with, with the idea of I'm just here to help, you'll be good, and that'll be a great tag team, uh, especially come fourth quarter, man, because the shooter can score that ball. So then you have the issue of trying to stop him, uh, Westbrook, Paul George. Like, you know, it, just, it creates an offensive uh, problem, but in a good way for OKC. So it could work, but I do see the, the side that you're going on of how it could be just a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just think you'd rather have a wing player, honestly. Like I I know yeah. I know you don't like um, Felton, and I understand why. Um, he's not great by any stretch of the imagination, um, but he's serviceable. Uh, and I would rather have a guy like T.J. Warren, um, like coming off the bench, like to be my like scoring the guy off the bench um, because in in crunch time minutes, if you needed to get buckets, like you could throw him in there and not affect um, Russ as much as if you had to throw Dennis in there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just, Dennis and Russ on the, on the court at the same time scares me. Um, but nevertheless, we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out and we'll see if uh, ultimately Sam Presti uh, sees it the way I see it, uh, but anyway, man, fun show. I love I love our solo shows, Juwan. So much fun. Absolutely, uh, man. Yeah, being able like the banter and what have you. Uh, but anyway, we just had an amazing interview that I want you to promote at the top of your lungs. Uh, give it, give it to them. Uh, you mean the one that Tia did earlier today with Reese? I can't remember his last That's name. That's the one I'm talking about. Um, uh, it was a really, really, really good interview. Um, Tia had a lot of fun with it. Reese was an amazing, amazing guest. Make sure you guys go check that out. And also stay tuned. We will be promoting the new movie uh, that Reese is starring in that we did not get a chance to ask him about, but we will be promoting it heavy. Also, stay tuned. We had Chris do an interview this afternoon with one of the stars of Mile 22. He was also in uh, Daredevil Season 1. His name is Nikolov. 
Uh, so stay tuned for when we post that up. Both great interviews, and you guys know, please check out the website, gvnation.com. Indeed. And, uh, again, we will have many Full Court Press articles up there very, very soon. We'll see you here Thursday night, 8, 9 o'clock, uh, somewhere around then. Uh, until then, peace. Peace.